nation's capital. Here is tonight's nation's report. And coming up in this evening's Nation's Report for the 30th day of December 2021. Just one more day to go before New Year's Day. On the local scene, Omicron likely not confirmed, likely in TCI, not yet confirmed, limited changes to COVID-19 measures. Regionally, grenades found outside home of Suriname journalists probe launched. Internationally, Ukraine tensions, Biden and Putin phone calls seeks diplomatic path. And in sports, New Zealand legend Ross Taylor to retire from international cricket. These are just some of the headlines. With the details, I'm Damien Wilson. And now, here is tonight's news. Health Minister the Honorable Jamal Robinson earlier today in a National Health Update press conference held at the Premier's office in Providenciales made it clear that the health officials believe the Omicron variant of COVID-19 to be present in the TCI but has not yet been confirmed. The minister acknowledged that the country was still awaiting results of samples sent for genomic sequencing to the Caribbean Public Health Agency, CAFA, but was operating at the highest level whether or not confirmation came. Honorable Robinson went on to say that moving forward, the country's booster program, which is still being rolled out with uptake slow and now standing at only 13% of the fully vaccinated population receiving the third jab, will be key along with significantly increased community testing amongst the resident population and persons taking personal responsibility for protecting their own health by following all protocols and other recommendations. During the press conference, the health minister laid out a limited number of changes to the COVID-19 measures to deal with the current uptick in positive cases. The 39th meeting of cabinet was held virtually on Wednesday, 29th December 2021. At this cabinet meeting, we approved amendments to the arriving passengers' health clearance regulations with effect from Friday, the 14th of January 2022, lowering mandatory testing to two years old and above for visitors arriving and unvaccinated returning residents to the TCI. We approved an extension of the existing COVID-19 measures and protocols, which will come into effect from 5 a.m. on Friday, the 7th of January, 2022, unless otherwise stated, and remain in place until the 28th February, 2022. A. Social gatherings and social activities, including public beaches of more than 50 persons and up to a maximum of 500 persons, shall require a permit. And I stick a pin there just to note, a maximum means the most that can be permitted. But the Ministry of Health has the prerogative to decide any number between 50 or 500 that it will allow and giving the current circumstances what's taking place around the world it's a good chance you're not getting 500 so just be mindful 
that a maximum is a maximum. So it gives the ministry the leeway and our tactocrats the leeway and discretion to be able to decide what is appropriate based on the protocols that you intend to deploy for any particular event that you will be um, hosting or likely hosting. So B, bi-weekly testing of frontline staff to include teachers with an exemption of those that received their booster shot or became fully vaccinated within the last three months. We approved amendments to the public and environmental health COVID-19 pandemic regulations power to quarantine with effect from Friday, the 14th of January, 2022, including A, reducing the quarantine period for vaccinated persons to seven days following the individual is asymptomatic after day five of isolation, provides two negative lateral flow device tests taken 24 hours apart and on day six, apart on day six and day seven of isolation. So i.e. if at any point you're not asymptomatic on asymptomatic on day five and you don't have two negative tests, the ten days will still apply to you. Okay? Contacts, close contacts and their household continue to be required for the quarantine for a period of ten days post the last exposure to COVID nineteen with consideration for early release with individuals asymptomatic after day five of isolation, and they provide a negative lateral flow device test on day seven of isolation. And B, unvaccinated persons, their contacts, and their household continue to be required to quarantine for 14 days post the last exposure to COVID-19 if not medically evacuated by air ambulance. Again, thank you. Health Minister, the Honorable Jamal Robinson, laying out the new changes to the COVID-19 protocols. Minister Robinson also was asked about the rumor that a cruise ship with 10 confirmed cases of COVID-19 was allowed to disembark at Grand Turk. While the minister initially said that he was unaware of such, Director of Environmental Health Kenrick Neely subsequently confirmed that some ships were allowed to dock with confirmed cases on board, but these persons were less than 1% of all passengers aboard ships arriving and docking in the TCI. The minister also gave rationale behind allowing some ships with over 90% of those on board being vaccinated to disembark in Grand Turk explaining that the ministry is constantly receiving updated health information from all ships, including whether there are confirmed cases on board, even as little as 12 hours prior to docking information is received. No COVID-19 positive passengers are allowed to disembark from ships, and all passengers disembarking must be fully vaccinated. The chief epidemiologist, Dr. Shandy Malcolm, confirmed that 184 positive cases had been identified in the TCI thus far for the month of December, a significant increase over October and November, which saw 123 and 117 positive cases identified, respectively. Prior to this recent uptick, COVID-19 numbers in the TCI had been on a downward trend.
Dr. Malcolm also gave a breakdown of the demographics of and epidemiological makeup of all the cases, noting that 63% of cases were either visitors to the TCI or returning residents having recently traveled. Also, some 72% of those hospitalized since July were unvaccinated, 61% were females, and 51% were between the ages of 40 to 60. This brings us to the end of this segment of the newscast. Stay tuned. Up next is news from the region. The Association of Surinamese Journalists, the ASJ, has, con- has called for protection to be provided for media worker Jason Peñas after two hand grenades taped together were found under a car parked at his home on Thursday morning. Peñas, who was recently assaulted by security officers of Surinamese Vice President Ronnie Buswick, was said to be in shock but claimed after the discovery of but calm after the discovery of the weapons under his brother's car in the yard of his residence in Wanaka, located in the north of the country. The ASJ condemned what it deemed a brutal attack on the life of one of its members, coming two weeks after Brunswick security guards were involved in an altercation with Pinyas. Pinyas had his phone forcibly taken by the security personnel when he went up to the vice president's car to take a photo outside the parliament building. He said he was forced to the ground and had pain in his neck, head and arm after the incident. Peñas has also clashed with Brunswick earlier this year when the vice president did not want to answer a question from him during a press conference. We immediately asked for protection for Jason, the ASJ said, adding that President Chendrika Pasad Sentaki had made contact with its head, Carla Buswith, requesting a meeting on Thursday afternoon. The discovery of the grenades came a day after the ASJ demanded a full investigation into Penyas's assault, expressing concern that Boswick's bodyguards had not been held in police custody. The association said the Attorney General had indicated that because Penyas had no physical injuries, his alleged assailants were allowed to go home. What happened this morning was the implication that we were right. The investigation should continue, and that is why the ASJ hired an attorney to proceed with the case, it said. As of this moment, we can only assume that people related to the vice president are responsible, but we have no proof. We are awaiting what the government will do about this now. We will know more after the meeting with President Sintaki. Meanwhile, the Association of Caribbean Media Workers, the ACM, has requested an update and said it stands in solidarity with its colleagues in Suriname. Stay tuned to Radio Turks and Caicos. Up next is news from the international scene. (music) 
U.S. President Joe Biden is set to hold talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin for the second time this month in a bid to de-escalate tensions over Ukraine. The two leaders spoke on the phone Thursday. They will discuss forthcoming security talks between the countries and the situation in Europe, a White House official said. Russia, which recently built up forces on the border with Ukraine, denies planning to invade the country. It says its troops are therefore exercises and that it is entitled to move its troops freely on its own soil. Hours before the call, President Putin told Mr. Biden in a holiday message he was convinced the pair could work together based on mutual respect and consideration of each other's national interests. His spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, said Moscow was in the mood for a conversation. A day earlier, a U.S. official told the AFP news agency that Mr. Biden would offer his Russian counterpart a diplomatic path but remained gravely concerned by the Russian troop buildup on the border with Ukraine. The head of Ukraine's National Security Council, Oleskai Danilov, sought to downplay that on Thursday, suggesting the number of troops was not currently increasing. As for the troops build up near our borders, reported by foreign media, we do not see that. There is a certain increase of Russian military, and we closely monitor what's happening at our borders. Less than a month ago, Ukraine's defense minister told Parliament, citing intelligence reports, that Russia had amassed more than 94,000 troops near the border and could be gearing up for a large-scale military offensive at the end of January. The U.S. has consulted with European leaders ahead of the call to coordinate a common response to the Ukraine issue according to a White House statement. While Ukraine is not a NATO member, it has close ties with the bloc. Russia has said it wants legally binding guarantees that NATO will not move eastwards and that weapons will not be sent to Ukraine or any neighboring countries. NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg has been adamant that Ukraine's membership of the alliance is a matter for NATO and Kiev. Any dialogue with Russia has, of course, to respect the core principles which European security has been based on, on previously, he said previously. Lithuanian President Jatanas Nusreda has described the current situation as probably the most dangerous it's been in 30 years. Russian officials are due to meet with U.S. counterparts in Geneva on the 10th of January. Asked earlier this week if he would meet Mr. Putin on that date, Mr. Biden replied, we'll see. But he is not expected to attend the talks in Geneva. Stay tuned to Radio Turks and Caicos. Coming up next is a look at our sports page. Legendary New Zealand batter Ross Taylor will end his long international career at the conclusion of New Zealand's home summer. 
Taylor has established himself as a Black Caps great, scoring a record 18,074 runs and 445 appearances for his country. The classy 37-year-old made his New Zealand debut back in 2006 and has gone on to become the only player to feature in 100 games in all formats. Taylor has crafted an incredible 40 hundreds for the Black Caps and made 93 half centuries, averaging 44.87 runs in tests, 48.2 runs in ODIs, and 26.15, that's 26.15 runs in 2020 internationals. The former New Zealand captain announced on the eve of the two-match test series against Bangladesh that his international career will end in 2022 following ODIs versus Australia and the Netherlands. It's been an amazing journey and I feel incredibly fortunate to have represented my country for as long as I have. He said, it's been such a privilege to play with with and against some of the greats of the game and to have created so many memories and friendships along the way. But all good things must come to an end and the timing feels right for me. I want to thank my family, friends and all those who have helped me get to this point. There'll be plenty of time for more thank yous and reflections later in the season. But for now, I want all energy and focus to be on preparing and performing for the Black Caps this summer. Black Caps head coach Gary Steed said, Ross has always been a hugely respected member of the side and we're thankful for his contributions to the Black Caps over an incredible career. His skill and temperament as a batsman have been world class and his ability to perform at such a high level for so long speaks volumes of his longevity and professionalism. I know Ross is really focused on performing well in these remaining series and going out on the right note. Among the many highlights in Taylor's career was his 219, that's 290, against the WACA in November of 2015, the highest test score by a visiting batter in Australia. And in more retirement news, South Africa wicketkeeper batsman Quinton de Kock retired from Test cricket on Thursday in a shock move announced just a few hours after he played in the defeat to India in the first Test in Centurion. In a statement, the 29-year-old Decock said he made his decision in order to have more time to spend with his family. Decock and his wife Sasha are expecting their first child in the coming days. This is not this is not a decision that I have come to very easily, Decock said. I have taken a lot of time to think about what my future looks like and what needs to take priority in my life now that Sasha and I are about to welcome our first child into this world and look to grow our family beyond that. My family is everything to me and I want to have the time and space to be able to be with them during this new and exciting chapter of our lives. Decock said he was still fully committed to playing limited overs cricket for South Africa and signed off his statement with see you in the ODIs and T20s. His move seemingly took Cricket South Africa by surprise. 
Its CEO, Palisti Masaki, said it's sad to lose a player of Quinton's caliber at what we still see as the prime of his career. Decock made his debut against Australia in 2014 and played 54 tests, sometimes balancing his responsibility of opening the batting and keeping wicket, and later leading the team as captain. He made six test centuries with his best score, 141, not out against West Indies this year, underlining the fact that he was still one of South Africa's leading batters. His test average is 38.82 runs. He took 221 catches in tests with 11 stumblings. This brings us to the end of today's newscast. Stay tuned. Up next is a recap of the headlines. And recapping the headlines for today, the 20, that's the 30th day of December. I'm trying to take time back, I tell you. Looking at the local scene, Omicron likely in TCI, but not yet confirmed. Limited changes to COVID-19 measures. Regionally, grenades found outside of Suriname journalist home. Probe, launch. Internationally, Ukraine tensions, Biden and Putin phone call seeks diplomatic path. And in sports, New Zealand legend Ross Taylor to retire from international cricket. Thank you for joining us for today's newscast for the RTC News and Production team. I'm Damian Wilson saying have yourselves a wonderful evening. And, of course, I hope you guys are gearing up and preparing for a wonderful New Year's Eve. See you guys tomorrow. Join us again tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. for another edition of The Nation's Report.